I want to tell you about a podcast you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. As a parent myself of a child who's had an IEP since kindergarten and he's now a 10th grader, I know how confusing, overwhelming, frustrating, sometimes daunting the whole process can be. I checked out an episode of Understood Explains called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 Plans. And what I love about it is how easily Juliana explains everything. She answers common questions that probably every parent or caregiver has. She dispels myths and is concise and to the point. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. And there's a direct link in the show notes if you need it. That is really a key piece of mindfulness is to recognize that life is change and you wake up in different moods or, and all of that is actually a stronger grip on the nature of life than feeling like everything can be static and never has to change and that you can rule it all. You're listening to Make Some Noise Podcast, episode number 538 with guest Chris Sirak. Welcome to Make Some Noise Podcast, your guide for strategies, tools, and insight to empower yourself. I'm your host, Andrea Owen, global speaker, entrepreneur, life coach since 2007, and author of three books that have been translated into 18 languages and are available in 22 countries. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a lesson that will help you maximize unshakable confidence, master resilience, and make some noise in your life. You ready? Let's go. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you are here with me today. I just wanted to make one quick announcement before we jump into the show, and that is if you are looking for one-on-one support from yours truly. I have some openings for the fall. If you're listening to this kind of like in real time in the summer of 2023, fall can be like one of those times where you're like, I think I want to get my life together. I think I have these goals that I've been talking about forever that I want to finally accomplish. I think I need some support around X, Y, and Z, whatever it is. Head on over to andreaowen.com slash coaching, or if you want to just jump into the application, andreaowen.com slash apply. You can check out the questions there. You can get a feel for what it might be like to work with me just based on those questions, honestly. The application goes to my team and then we take it from there. So andreaowen.com slash apply. And again, I do have some openings for this coming fall 2023. All right, let's get into today's conversation. I I have someone on today who is one of those people that I admire because I want to be more like them. If you're like me and you like to live in your head a lot and have a little bit of an anxious brain, then you're in good company with me. And you're going to love today's guest. Chris Sirach is someone that I admire just for not only the work that he does in the world, but just 
who he is as a human. So for those of you that are new to him, let me just tell you a little bit about him. Author, speaker, and meditator, Chris Sirach is passionate about turning sophisticated topics into accessible, meaningful, and inspiring experiences. With an extensive background in design, psychology, and tech, he breaks down traditional teachings to make ancient wisdom accessible and discoverable by modern audiences. So without further ado, here is Chris. Chris, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Andrea. It's such a pleasure being here. I am so excited to talk to you, partly because what you do is one of the things that I struggle with the most. (laughs) And my audience, I have a lot of people listening who struggle with some anxiety and high-strung, high-achieving, maybe some type A personalities out there. So let's jump into the good stuff like from the get-go. Can you talk to us about techniques that you teach that will help quiet someone who has an overactive mind? And then also, let me just ask you that first, and then I'll do the add-on question after that. Okay, perfect. Yeah. And I think that really applies to everyone because I think we all have overactive minds and we're really conditioned to to live in our heads, to be in a state of reactivity as opposed to responding to what's in front of us. We react to what we think should be happening, some outcome or goal that we're steering towards and that we then compare everything that happens to should it be happening this way or that way? Is it happening for me or against me? And so that really keeps us in this mental lens. And while the trick is to come out of that headspace and be more grounded, and there's a lot of simple things you you can do. You don't have to be a hardcore meditator and sit in lotus pose all day. You can little things like taking off your shoes and putting your feet in the grass that already has an incredibly grounding effect. All of nature does. If we can do something connected to nature, then we become more connected to ourselves. And then there's other things like really practicing on the little things, because I think we're all inclined to seek these big experiences. But I think that's actually related to being in the state of reactivity where we have our feelings and it's our reaction to our feelings that's actually the most of our experience. Mm -hmm. The feelings themselves arise and pass if we leave them alone, (laughs) but we don't. We react to them and the reaction on top of the actual feeling is most of what we experience. So we tend to seek these big experiences. We need even bigger solutions to our problems. And it really is mindful living is in the little things. And it starts with, I pour myself at the refrigerator every morning, I pour myself a glass of water. And that's already for those seven or eight seconds where the water's filling the glass, I uh, I keep my attention there. And it gives me a read on just how monkey mind my mind is today. Hmm. And the trick is not to resist it, even when you wake up and wow, today it's all over. Over the place. Uh, the trick is to accept that. And that actually is what calms the mind and keeps us present. And in the present, everything is simple, right? When we just break things down to small steps that's, that seem and feel manageable. The example I bring is my mother who had a triple bypass. She's in her 80s. She was afraid of coming to visit me in California. She lives in Europe. And so what we did with her, we broke this big, scary trip, right? Down into these little steps, manageable steps. It's literally folding your clothes. Now Mm -hmm. you're putting them in the suitcase. Now you're carrying the suitcase. Now you're going down the steps. You're sitting in the car and so on. So we can do that with anything in life, any 
thing that seems overwhelming that we feel there's a resistance in us to just bring it down, simplify it to what feels light and easy. And that really works with all things in life. I love that. And it reminds me of, I did a mini-sode podcast a couple of months ago where I, it was like 10 things to help if you have been handed a shit sandwich. And by shit sandwich, a really difficult time. And one of the things that I talked about in there was to break it down. And if there's a solution to be had, if something difficult happens, I think the example I gave was like, say you lost your job or you decided to leave your job and don't have anything else lined up. And then you start to panic, <laughs> break it down into much smaller bite-sized pieces. But I love that you talked about that just for the everyday monkey mind that happens, even when just life is happening, because that's that happens, I think, to a lot of us is just these worries and future tripping about what could happen and what if that happens and what if this happens and it just is exhausting. And so that was the other part of my question is what tips do you have for people to manage that exhaustion? Because I think that's like almost a whole different conversation. Because I think for a lot of us, we don't even realize we're in it until we're so tired. <laughs> From And for me, it's like also decision fatigue. Oh my gosh, I have so much to think about and so much to hold in my mind. I'm exhausted. And by the time I realize it, I've already snapped at somebody. I've already told someone it doesn't matter when it really matters. You know what I mean? <laughs> Not my best self is what I want to say. So yeah. I know that was an all over the place question, but if you have any thoughts... That's usually how we learn, right? Too, I was an overanalyzer. I would debate things to death. And I just thought that thinking things through every possible permutation was the best way forward. Yeah. And it would leave me just feeling depleted and exhausted and unhappy and miserable. And I just, I kept doing that for a long time until I felt like there has to be a better way. Sounds like so it, There's got to be a better way, Chris. <laughs> yes. And here it is. What I really settled on was what and there could be no more simple and universal way to come out of our heads where all that anxiety all that projection all those expectations all the past and the future and the jumping around between thoughts and getting lost in thought some people say we get lost in thought 60 70 80% of the day so just imagine coming out of those thoughts sooner even just 5 10% sooner that's real life that we get back opportunity to really experience what's in front of us, the situation we're in, to connect with more meaningful conversations and so forth. And the best way really is that I've found, and I've tried many different techniques and avenues, is to connect with our sensations. So all of our life glue, essentially, our senses, the things we see, hear, taste, touch, smell, even our sense of our own body in space, which is a sixth sense. So when we focus on sensations, which is the, the input, so to speak, from our environment, they show up somewhere on our body. Anytime we have any type of feeling as a result of some situation, being able to locate and notice where that shows up in our body, the noticing of it is what creates, it breaks the mental loop of reactivity. By noticing it, we're no longer identified with a feeling, a thought or feeling. And this disidentification then allows us to allow the feeling to arise and pass whilst, while keeping a clear 
headed mind and then taking clear action, as I call it, as a result of that. And that's just making better decisions. Reactive energy is divisive energy. It's, it's, there's full of friction and people feel, start feeling defensive when you come to them with that type of energy. But this clear energy of an equanimous mind feels inclusive. There's a curiosity in it beginner's mindset. It's like, ooh, what happens next? And that's inclusive energy and everyone opens up to that. And it's really learning to practice. And this is one of the things I teach in my retreats and in personal coaching is to really feel our feelings fully. Mm-hmm. And for myself, it took a long time to understand that there's a distinction between my feeling and then my reaction to the feeling. And for a long time, I thought they were just one and the same. It'll take a little practice, but not much. Can we walk through an example? So if someone's listening to this, say someone is maybe in a marriage or a relationship that they're not sure about, like they keep going over things in their head and they're not sure if they should stay or if they should go, and they've sought the counsel of many people and just still feel really stuck. So is it about checking in with their body when they are feeling nervous and anxious about it and just getting curious? Yeah, it's to see where is that nervousness and that anxiousness showing up in and on your body. It's It might be your chest, it might mm. be a throat, back of your neck, your stomach is full of emotions, and but it can be anywhere. I worked with somebody recently, all of his emotions were in his big toe. And just to notice where that is, keeps us out of reactivity, but it leaves behind the feeling can arise and pass so we don't linger, but it leaves behind the imprint of the inner voice, the wisdom of, okay, I'm reacting, I'm having this sensation and it's telling me something. I'm not amplifying it in any way, but it's definitely telling me that the situation resonates or it doesn't. It can go both ways. It's it's one and the same. Yeah, it's just to listen to your body. And the second piece is to then trust that, right? We all, I think, have that inner voice. It's always whispering. It's a subtle voice. And the trick is to then just really consistently listen to it so that you can start building a more positive life path. That's so interesting. I love this. And it reminds me of in in 2020, the onset of the pandemic, I was not like many of us. And I hired a new therapist who specifically worked with somatic therapy instead of just talk therapy. Cause I've, I've done talk therapy for decades and I find it extremely helpful, but we get to a place where we need advanced <laughs> work. We need to get into our body. And that was one of the things that she focused on was, you know, I would talk about, and I didn't even really need to talk about the details of traumatic things that happened to me, but some particulars, and she would slow it down so much that felt Painful, but I need to be more specific about it. Painfully slow, just because I'm so used to like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? Like moving on, moving quickly. And it was so interesting to me to stand outside of myself and watch how uncomfortable I was with the discomfort because it was forcing me to feel it in my body. And it was all in like my solar plexus and my gut, a little bit in like my pelvic floor and just... It was not my favorite, Chris, but it was the most helpful. (laughs) Absolutely. We really can heal ourselves. We just have to give that feeling, that sensation space to be and not push it away. The pushing it away is a reaction to it. Also, the clinging to things like pleasant sensations. Ooh, I want more of that. That too takes us out of sync with life unfolding continuously. 
we tend to start with the parts that we need to heal from. And so any wounds that we have, if there are some things that are so traumatic, you do need more firepower and more of a bigger professional support network. But most things that annoy us are the little things like getting cut off in traffic or mm-hmm. running out of toothpaste in the morning or these, these little things that just have us react to it. And just like going to the gym, awareness is a muscle. And so you want to start with small weights, something, maybe the big relationship drama you just mentioned might be too big to jump into right. this from the start. But the little things that we uh, we tend to get annoyed by, if it's a, you're on the phone of plane flying overhead or the beep in the car when you haven't put on your seatbelt. There's all these little things that we can practice just noticing where we feel this on our body right now. Mm -hmm. That really is being connected to right now. It's, It's allowing things to be as they are without wanting them to be different. And ultimately, that's what leads us into flow and going with the greater current. Without wanting them to be different. That's the hard part. Out of anything, I wanted to just underscore that without wanting to, accepting it just as it is. That is my life's work right there. It's summed up in one sentence. We need to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to ask you about fear. There's definitely been times in my life where my paycheck ran out before I got paid again, and I wish I could have accessed my next paycheck a few days before I was due to get it. Well, what if I told you that can happen with Earnin? Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. You can use Earnin for anything you need to, therapy visits, rent, or even extra self-help books. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in noise under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show. Noise under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Trying to find the perfect gift for someone special in your life, maybe for Mother's Day, but feeling overwhelmed? Finding a unique gift that they'll love that's personal and that they won't already have can be the ultimate challenge. That's why I'm so excited I've discovered Songfinch. It's an amazing, thoughtful gift, and it's easy and fun to make. Songfinch lets you create an original radio-quality song inspired by your own life and the people you love. It's completely unique, personal, and lasts forever. I had Songfinch make me a song about my dad, which was a gift to myself. This was such a personal song for me, and I was a little skeptical the artist could capture the emotion I wanted. But during the process, they have you share some personal details about your relationship with the person you're creating the song for. Then Songfinch, musician of your choice, you get to pick based on samples they have, will write, record, and produce your original song in just four to seven days. I love my song so much. I was so emotional when I listened to it. I had no changes. It's perfect. Whether your song is for Father's Day, an upcoming graduation, wedding, or anniversary, or even just a gift to show your loved one how much you care, start your song now to lock in one of Songfinch's top artists. For a limited time, Songfinch is letting our listeners upload their song to Spotify for free so you and the lucky person you gift it to can listen to it anywhere, anytime. Go to songfinch.com slash noise and start your song. After you purchase, you'll be prompted to add Spotify streaming for your original song for free, a $50 value. Again, my URL is 
is songfinch.com slash noise. Don't forget to share your song with us too. Songfinch.com slash noise. We're back. I just feel like we're definitely along the same lines of what we were talking about, but is what we were talking about the same as fear, like the anxiety and like the minor inconveniences, or do you group fear into a whole different category when you're helping people try to pull themselves out of living in that place? The only fear that's real is ultimately when you're staring the lion in the face, right? If, if yeah. there's some something right in front of you, that's real fear and you're going to have a fight or flight response and it takes care of itself. All the other type of fear and anxiety lives in our head when we start to project or imagine situations or when we linger on stuff that's already happened and we just kind of keep looping through it. So that's the un, it's real because you're experiencing it, but it's not real because nothing's actually happening other than your imagination. It does, the same technique applies. It's where are you feeling it in your body? And that's what really forces you to become really present with, there's nothing more present than the feeling of something, the sensation Mm -hmm. of something. And then practicing with that sensation to observe it as it is. And yes, that is the key to everything. And most of our lives are, that's the main challenge. You strike me as someone who's a master at this. Like, where do you get tripped up? If you wouldn't mind sharing. Oh, wow. As we continue and put ourselves into different life situations, we're always going to have new things that trigger us. Mm -hmm. And I think the first part is to recognize that the triggers are teachers. They're pointing to something inside of us that is feeling triggered, that's not Mm -hmm. whole, that that there's a charge there. And so whenever we feel triggered, big and small, we apply this technique of just, okay, here's another opportunity to observe my sensation. And the great thing I find is that you don't really need to know why you're feeling triggered. You don't need to think back and, oh my gosh, what happened in my childhood or in a past life or whatever that is now causing me to feel triggered by something somebody said or some situation. All that matters is that you're experiencing certain sensations and that if you observe them, they will arise and pass. There's two parts to this really. One is to work on existing stuck feelings. So emotions that we've suppressed because they're they're uncomfortable and now learning to allow them to be is a little scary at first, but ultimately that's what dissolves them. And the first time you experience this, whatever emotional knot you may have inside of you, and you're holding space for it and you're observing it, you're seeing its character, its quality. Can you see around the sides, its texture? You can even give it a name. Some people say embrace it and give it a hug. So the first time you do that and you feel it just dissolve, right? Mm -hmm. This knot that was bothering you for years and just melts away you recognize how powerful we are as healers. And then ultimately through the self-healing, we then become healers for others. Now I'm curious about, you're talking about feelings. And I wrote in my last book about, because my books are mostly for women. And I talked about how we've, as women, have grown up to be conditioned a certain way. And especially, I work with a lot of women who have been taught their whole life that their anger is unwelcome. And I know for men, it can be different where their anger is like the only emotion that they're allowed to express, where sadness and sorrow and things like are not welcomed as far as being demonstrative about it. 
So how do you help people break free from those kind of conditioned and socialized beliefs that I'm, you work with adults? So these are people who have been conditioned for decades. Like, How does that kind of work itself out? There are people, speakers like myself, who just cater more to a male audience and they have the Tony Robbins oomph. And oomph. I'm not one of them. Most of my audience is female as well. And that is just through your bodies that you have more of a connection to and a cleansing and a purging experience. And all of that leads to, I think, just an openness to the nature of life, which is change. There's always an ongoing Nothing ever stands still. And that is really a key piece of mindfulness is to recognize that life is change and you wake up in different moods or, and all of that is, is actually a, a stronger grip on the nature of life than feeling like everything can be static and never has to change and that you can rule it all. So. <laughs> I would say because of that in my retreats, it's the same thing, 70, 80% female. And there's just a, I think, and anyone who's had kids, obviously, there's just a, an earthiness to that, that, that is closer to source. And guys definitely have a different challenge altogether. We're raised to suppress a lot of those things. And when I talk about feeling your feelings, where do you see those sensations show up? A lot of guys can't even point to anywhere. There are just lots of blind spots. And I had those too. But everyone can work through it. And it's just about putting in the time. Yeah. And nothing can stop you but yourself. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> what about in a lot of the self-help circles in, in, in the places that we roam, there's a lot of talk about self-limiting beliefs. And so we're taking a step to the side, if you will. And I've talked about this for a decade and a half now, just about these, we have our feelings and then we have our thoughts and those thoughts become beliefs and we make them mean something. And typically what it make, what we make it mean is that we are not good enough in some way or another, or we can't do the thing, or we're going to fail at it. We're going to get judged. We're going to get shamed. Let's talk about just like identifying it. Cause I think, a, I think for a lot of people don't even realize that they have this kind of self-talk. Is there anything that you do as a precursor to work on it? Yeah, absolutely. So we can actually do a test right now. It's a okay. 20 second test. And okay. So just follow, follow my voice. Okay. With our eyes and mouth closed, let's focus our attention on the incoming and outgoing breath at the entrance of our nostrils. If you have trouble locating your breath, you can breathe slightly harder once or twice and then return to natural breath, normal breath. Seeing your breath as it is, not wanting it to be different. And gradually open your eyes. So for those who are doing this for the first time, you may notice that thoughts start to jump in and pull your attention away within seconds, barely two or three seconds, uh, those thoughts come in and hijack your attention. And so at first, the realization that this is the same mind we've been using to make life decisions and to navigate through the circumstances. And yet we can't even keep our attention on our breath for more than uh -huh. a few seconds. It could be shocking and then a big wake up call and frustrating at first. Uh, the good news is just practicing what I, what we just did every day for 10, 15 minutes will uh, create a gap between your thoughts and you believing your thoughts. 
meaning mm. you start to observe your thoughts as, well, here comes one that resonates. I'm going to accept that one. And here comes one that doesn't suit me and serve me. And I'm just going to let that one pass. So we start to own our thoughts and not our thoughts own us. And so that's a very simple universal technique. Everyone has the breath that you can use to, to just come out of that noise and that dominance that the mind is used to. The reason why it's pulling our attention away, it's used to ruling the roost. It's been mm-hmm. doing so for decades, right? Where yeah. we've been conditioned that way. That's interesting. And I've, as I mentioned, I've been talking about this for so long and truly what's important about the work is mindfulness. And I am not a meditation teacher. Like I'm not that, I'm not that girl, but one of the things that I've realized that has helped me in the process just looks a little bit different. And I don't anymore. My knees have asked me to retire, but I used to run a lot. And to me, that was completely meditative. Like it would just get me out of my head. I would focus on my breath. It's like two breaths in with each. It was like a certain amount of strides. I forget what it is. Like for me to really be in the zone, it was like the exact amount of inhalations and exhalations depending on strides. And I think that sometimes we can be dismissive of that, like that that can actually be very meditative for people. And that helped me so much in doing the work in terms of being able to recognize very quickly when I have those negative thoughts, because that's what I tell people all the time. It's not that you're likely going to eradicate them altogether. Like they're still going to come in. Like the goal is to close the gap between when they run away from you and they run away from you for so long, you end up feeling like shit about it and or making decisions from that place, that's what we don't want, to the gap being really slow where you realize it very quickly. Oh, that was a crappy thought that I just had. I don't want to have that anymore. Running was one of the things that was imperative to me being on that journey to help that. Yeah, absolutely. Movement is so important. You can sit for hours and meditate. It's not until you actually move that the the energy starts to flow, leave you. Until then, you may be breaking up the stuck energy that's inside of you, but the movement is really what where the breakthroughs come. And that could look like anything. It's like what you just described. I start every day with a 478, which is Dr. Andrew Weil originally. Oh, I, I know that one. Tell the listeners, though, who might not know it. Yeah. So it's inhale for four seconds through the nose and then hold your breath for seven counts and then exhale through the mouth, eight counts. Mm. And that does your parasympathetic nervous system calms down and just three times that it'll take you a minute (laughs) every morning will already have a profound positive impact on your life. So there's a lot of things we can do. Our breath is a wonderful tool. It's one of the few things that is both autonomous, it runs on its own, but we can also use it to explore our inner life. Okay. We're going to take one more break and then we come back. I have a couple more questions for you, especially about for people who cannot meditate. So we'll be right back. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, 
a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests, too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Okay, I want to talk to you about, there might be someone listening, it might be me, (laughs) who struggles and who's always struggled with meditation and even yoga. I I just have found it difficult. What advice do you have for those people who really want to do it and have a practice, but just cannot seem to find their groove with it? I actually started out the same way. And what was a big turnoff for me was all this, at the time I perceived to be woo-woo language and these weird traditions and patterns and dress codes and all of this culture around meditation. And I came to embrace it later on, but in the beginning, that was a real hurdle. And I had just resistance to it. I wrote BU from the perspective of writing the most unspiritual book possible about spirituality. And it's really just a word. And so I took out all the trigger words that, you know, we we talked about growing up Catholic and there's whatever resistance that we've inherited through that experience or other upbringing. I wrote that from the perspective of keeping it completely simple and pedestrian and completely agnostic so that you can actually get the wisdom without getting tripped up on the words. There's so much out there. It, we It's all about trying what works for you at a, a particular time. You just have to keep seeking. I was into Abraham Hicks, Joseph Campbell, Eckhart Tolle, Brene Brown, Byron Katie. I've tried everything. And at one time or another, these were things that really resonated. And they all have very different voices and qualities to them. Mm-hmm. Some are, if you love science, there's Joe Dispenza or medicine with Deepak Chopra. There's so many different angles. If you're into really understanding the scientific aspect of things. There's sources for deepening your experience of self out there. But I will definitely, I think there are some universal ones, such as connecting with nature, as you said, which sports is a socially sanctioned way to really get out of your head and into your body. The little things, if we can do them mindfully, like folding your clothes or doing the dishes, that's as as mindful a practice as anything else. So it's just, in many ways, it's even better to do those things because you don't think of it as a separate activity, which it isn't. Meditation really is a state that you bring to your activities and it shouldn't be viewed as a separate thing. Okay. I like that. It feels like permission to do it in an alternative way. Yes. 100% permission. You know, it's funny. Speaking of Catholics, my mom always growing up called and she was not raised in a she was not raised in a culture where going to therapy was part of the silent generation and where therapy was the norm but growing up she always called laundry therapy and she'd say i'm going to do some therapy this weekend oh i need to go finish the therapy and it was just like a family joke and now I know why, because it is meditative. It is therapeutic. Like I, and I don't know why, if this is partly because I don't mind laundry, 
don't mind doing it because it's like these particular tasks that get done, it gets done in a certain way. And then you can cross it off the list when it's done. Like it feels very complete to me. And I don't know if anyone else feels that way, but kudos yeah. to mom for calling laundry therapy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very true. And that's why they make you fold your uniform and make your bed in the morning in the military to to reinforce that bite-sized piece of success. And that sets the momentum for the rest of the day. Here in Indonesia, they call it scooter therapy because you have to be so present when you're riding oh. your bike. It's potholes and chickens and dogs and tourists and other cars, all kinds of yeah. obstacles. <laughs> and if you linger on that crazy chicken that that you just swerve to avoid for one second, you're not ready for the next one. And yeah. so it's scooter therapy here. I love that. Oh, that's so interesting and funny. I want to ask you one more question before we close. We talk also a lot in these parts about kind of connecting to your authentic self, or I like to say the kind of person that you, we talk also a lot about values and a lot of them are aspired values, like the ways that you want to show up in the world where you are proud of who you are when you look in the mirror. So also, AKA your authentic self. So what are some strategies that you help people with to be able to connect with that part of them. And also not just for the sake of doing it, but just to really be able to connect with their most powerful self. Everything we talked about really leads to that, right? Coming out of the noise in our head, which is outside voices that we've been imprinted with, a lot of them well-meaning. It could have been your parents. They wanted the best for you, but they're not you. So we have these outside voices that we tend to build an identity around and then pursue a life on. And really, it's about shifting out of that headspace into the body. And by being present with your sensations, no longer lingering and spending most of your day in reactivity and lost mm -hmm. in thought, you're now instead connected more to your inner voice, your your gut, your instinct, your heart space, your higher self, your inner divinity, whatever you want to call it. And that ultimately is the voice that tells you if something resonates and, or if it doesn't. And that's really a response to what's in front of you. And when you act, take clear action from that space, it informs the quality of the next moment and the next moment. And the bigger picture starts to reveal itself. I often get asked what the difference is between true purpose, right? And just an idea that you may have in your head. And your true calling is ultimately something that, like the name implies, you're being called to, which means you're not quite ready yet. You're not there yet. So you're going to have to come out of your comfort zone. You may have to take some classes. You may have to, you're going to have to grow to really step into your power. Mm -hmm. And so there's an air of discomfort to your true purpose. Whereas the kind of the fancy fantasy idea of, oh, it'd be great to do this or that. It's too easy. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So that, that's really what happens is as we stay grounded and within ourselves and we, we really follow the, our bliss, as Joseph Campbell's termed it, that the future of the picture starts to open up. It's anything but floating aimlessly through life. It's actually stepping into your true self. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I want to ask you, this question just came to me because you work with people. I, I would think the work that you do is fairly intimate. Like you get to see people sometimes in the depths of despair, all the way to exquisite joy and everywhere in between. What is your favorite thing either specific or generally speaking about the work that you do with humans? Ah, 
the things that were challenges for us are the things that ultimately we become experts at because we learned to overcome them. And then that turns into our calling. So it's funny, the things we're in most resistance to the hard times is ultimately what become what we're good at. So there's no part of the thing is not to be attached to outcome, right? To, yeah. In any way. And so it's really just about providing the tools for someone to experience their reality within the framework of their body. And there's no right or wrong with that. There's no a preconceived sense of timing does it should it happen sooner or later or how much it is what it is so the same perspective applies to myself as well so as i'm doing being of service to others the same principles apply to me where i'm just holding space ultimately Mm -hmm. i love that yeah it, it's the tools the space and bearing witness and i actually learned this in my previous career as a personal trainer is that you cannot want it more than they do because <laughs> yeah. I'm a hype girl. Like I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to want it for you, but can't want it more than you do. So is there, before we close, is there anything that you want to circle back to that maybe you want to make sure that you say, or a new thing that you want to say before we say goodbye? Yeah. Just to reemphasize that there is no right or wrong. We spent so much time, as you said earlier, being self-critical and belittling ourselves and there, everything happens as a reflection of who we were at that time. So we had to, those situations had to happen. We had to go through them so that we could learn the lesson. And if we didn't learn the lesson, then we would recreate that situation in some other way until we learn the lesson. And ultimately life wants us to grow. It wants us to heal. It wants us to expand past our limitations, our self-limiting beliefs, and start viewing life more as a loving force that wants you to be whole. I think that goes a long way to seeing then how life really works and why these challenges come our way. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much. And where do you want people to go? I know you do retreats in beautiful locations around the world. Where do you want people to know to go to learn more about those and the other work that you do? Yes, you can always find the latest at my website, sirak.com. That's C I R A K.com. And uh, my books on Audible and Amazon, of course, and then on social media everywhere at Chris Sirak. Awesome. And those, of course, all those links will be in the show description. Everyone, thank you so much for being here. I'm so incredibly grateful for your time that you choose to spend it with me and my guests. And remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye for now. Hey, everyone. Thanks again so much for listening. I am currently filling up my schedule for speaking gigs for fall 2023 and winter. So if you are somebody that works for a company or owns a company where you do events, you do sales kickoffs, things like that, and you need an amazing keynote speaker, I might be your girl. So if you head on over to andreaohen.com slash speaking, you can see more of my topics and my speaking reel. And also there's a contact page there. Even if you think that, oh, I can't afford somebody as amazing and as famous as Andrea Owen, <laughs> fill it out anyway. Let's hop on the phone. We may be able to work something out. If it is a perfect fit, I am more than happy to negotiate something that works for everyone. So andreaowen.com slash speaking.
When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.